0: to Colin Brain versus the MCU. Hello, and welcome once again to your favourite podcast designed for your ear holes. This week, we are continuing our bonus episodes, and it's a bittersweet moment as we wrap up Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. This is sure to be an interesting episode, I think, um, but before we begin, I've, I've decided on a new little segment here, boys. Hmm. <laughs> On our... Don't worry, no need to stress yourself out about any quizzes or anything like that. <laughs> I, Before our bonus episodes, I am going to write down what I think is going to be Rob's Zoom nickname for the week to see whether he's that easy Ooh. to read. <laughs> um, so I'll tell you right now, trying to be in the same mind space as this <laughs> guy is a scary, scary place. <laughs> um, but I... Do you want to hear my guess for this week, and then we'll find out whether I am correct or not? Yes, yes, please. My guess for this week was Eddie Cock
1: Robert. Oh. Am I correct? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but hold on, we we need some form of proof that you yes, guessed it. Yes, I'm, I'm
0: happy to text it to Colin. <laughs> oh in yeah, or we'll write weeks. it down on a
1: bit of paper and show it up on the on the screen after you've said it. I also sure. think I kind
2: of gave you this
1: one in a way because
2: I said to you in the last two bonus episodes that they've both been dick related. We've had Jay Boner Jameson oh. and um who was it? Oh yeah, Doctor Coctopus. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean it wasn't that
0: hard. it wasn't really that hard. no. I guess, How many no, copyrighted ones difficult. you do? <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. But yeah. um, I looked I looked through the cast list and I was looking at all the character names and the only one that sprung out to me was Eddie Cock. So mm. um, I, I toyed so, with the
2: idea of doing bland man,
0: but um Brilliant <laughs> Yes. <laughs> wish I had now shown mm. you up. So um our next bonus episode, which I will explain at the end of this episode, I will try and uh guess your zoom nickname so you've got to be on your toes uh, next episode rob because i'm going to try and get oh, you. yeah i'm gonna throw you off it's yeah. gonna be more like thor old on you watson than it's gonna be <laughs> the yeah. fruit. all right? Uh, and well speaking <laughs> of um that this is your nickname uh rob rob can you please say hello 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 uh and last but not least Maybe we can nickname him Sandman this week. Uh, Not because he's at all villainous, of course, but because every week it would seem that the soft tones of my voice send him to sleep every damn time. It's Colin Brain. Colin, say hello. Hello. How are we both?
2: You'll get my answer when you fix this damn door.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing all right, mate. I'm doing pretty good. It's a bit warm, isn't it? Oh, it's too warm. This it's is going to be so dated by the time it comes out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and no, it'll be winter. it's gonna be fucking autumn <laughs> by the be... time.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Halloween was a month ago in there listening yeah. to this. We're all a bit uh, sticky, I
1: would I would say. At least yeah. I know I'm sticky. The mug yes. is
2: is yeah. is in the air. It's muggy mm-hmm. to the nth degree.
0: Yep. I just got back from about four or five days in Lisbon, in Portugal, nice. and Honestly, the it was obviously high thirties out there as well. But I could handle it. For some reason I come back here and I'm a sweaty mess.
1: It hits different here, man. This country right. is uh, yeah, it's like people saying, Oh yeah, it's hot everywhere. What well, you get on with it? It's like fuck off mate. Come over <laughs> here. Especially I mean, I don't know what it's like in Fetford, man, but London, that shit is thick. Oh. It's like you walk down the street and all the buses are going past you and they all look like they're about to burst into flames. It's <laughs> fucking miserable, man. I cannot stand it. Yes, I'm a miserable bastard who talks about the weather a lot.
0: Yeah. Nelson, that's no, no.
1: columns melting. It's all gone to shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Colin, it feels like it's been a little while since you and me caught up. Um, <clears throat> how's the avoiding spoilers challenge going. Um, (laughs) But I think the Marvel news maybe slowed down a little bit in the last couple of weeks, so I can imagine it's not as crazy out there as it was. But how's it going?
1: Yeah, it's going all right. I don't think I've had anything spoil there's probably a couple of times where I might have had to back out of a podcast pretty fast into it but now it's like I'm a lot I'm hotter on it you know I'm yeah, ready you, you, now you
0: now know to pull the earphones but, out instead of trying to get your phone out yeah what
1: was I thinking what's what <laughs> um, I'll tell you one thing I had um our mutual friend and I think friend of the show I would say by now cuz I know he's a he's a big listener I had Daniel Clay come around uh, oh the this clay weekend. train the clay train was here we had a we had an awesome time and uh, he doesn't mind me saying it. He, he, knows, he knows I was, he actually said, oh, you should probably mention this. He, may, he dropped a couple of tiny spoilers. Only because, you know, we were talking about the podcast and then he was, and, and you know. And you I, said I, this man's a friend of the podcast. <laughs> 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 he is. He's a great guy. But they were very, very small. They were, all it was was a couple of movie titles, which he accidentally sort of slipped out when we were talking about stuff. Mm-hmm. So I know that the newest Thor film is called Love and Thunder, which isn't really a big spoiler. Um, okay. And I know that there's a Miss Marvel something. I don't know if it's a film or a TV show, but he definitely mentioned a oh. Miss Marvel at some point. Interesting. Very fro- interesting. Very throwaway <laughs> comment. Uh, let's not throw any hate at the guy. He's a great guy, and I you love You can him. stay. You can <laughs> yeah. stay a friend of the podcast. We love
2: you, Dan Clay. We love you. I, I like Dan because when we went to a WrestleMania um, event at George's Cinema a few years ago, before the world was all locked down and then set on fire, mm-hmm. um, whenever George re entered the room in these managerial suits, <laughs> he would yell at the top of his lungs, George O'Connor, baby!
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love you, Dan. Uh, he's got my you crazy, heart. crazy man. Uh, Rob, quick question for you then. So, Sam Raimi had every intention of actually making a fourth Spider-Man movie before making Spider-Man 3. We'll get into why that didn't happen in a minute. And it got me wondering... If there was a chance to see a fourth film from another already established trilogy, what would you like to see?
2: I would like to see
0: the next film in the Before trilogy. That
2: was my answer too, yes. Because we're big old nerdy arty (laughs) (laughs) knobs. So for those who don't know, the Before trilogy is uh, a series of films from Richard Linklater, he, um, the first film's called Before Sunrise. It's about these two mm-hmm. strangers that meet and over the course of a night, you know, fall in love. And then the, the next film was done nine years later and called Before Sunset. And then the following film after that was nine years after that, and it's called Before Midnight. And I want to see the mm-hmm. next
0: one. Before, how how before many years e. again has it been? It's It's been around nine or ten again, hasn't I'm it? Hope,
2: yeah, I think it might have gone past the nine years, so I'm not sure we're getting one. We'll get it. But um, Um, I would would love to see another film. And, of course, I'd love to see a fourth Indiana Jones film.
0: That would be great. I'd love to see a fourth Indiana Jones movie that doesn't exist already. That would be lovely. That would be amazing.
2: Because they've already done the three, and I think there's space there Mm. to do another one.
0: Yes. Well, another one is actually on the way.
2: Oh, a
0: fourth one is on the way. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. is it okay if I go off on a little bit of a tangent as well? Why not? Um, it's just something that really, really made me laugh last night. And I thought I really have to mention it on this podcast. And um, I don't think I'm going to offend anyone by saying this. Last night, um, me and Anna, we got in bed and we, uh, we were like, shall we watch something? Shall we watch film or TV? And we were like, let's let's pop on a film. So we watched uh, Lightyear... Uh, On Disney+, Plus, the new um, Buzz Lightyear sort of weird solo movie, Um, it wasn't very good. It was actually pretty rubbish. I think I gave it two stars, uh, two and a half, and uh, I used the app Letterboxd, which we also use for this podcast here to uh, compile all of our ratings on. So when Lightyear starts... They actually set up the movie quite well, uh, much better than any trailers could. What it says, it says, in 1995, there was a boy called Andy. Uh, He went to the cinema um, and to see a film called Lightyear, and it was his favourite film. This is that film. So you're watching Andy's favourite film from 1995. Uh, I went to log it on Letterboxd, and sometimes... You get gold on this app when you read a review that is much better than the film itself.
1: Are you gonna share one of those with us? I am.
0: Good. The review I read is only two sentences long and it made me oh, wake up my fiance based on how hard I was laughing. God you said laughing. <laughs> yes. The review goes like this. In nineteen ninety five, this was Andy's favourite movie. Also in 1995, Andy was a stupid, dumb, fucking idiot kid. <laughs> <laughs> and I oh, it was just a perfect review and I couldn't stop. It's just, oh my God, it destroyed me. Um, and I don't know why. I immediately noted, mentioned that on the podcast because Christ, that made me laugh. <laughs> okay. Good. I've still not seen the film, but. <sighs> it's might not a, bother. No, it, it's gorgeous to look at, but that's about it. Like you. Um, uh, we. Well, I think that's a compliment. No, nah, it's not. It wasn't. A it was meant nah. fully as an insult. <laughs> yeah. There's no compliment in there whatsoever. Brilliant. Um, So let's try and keep on track to keeping these bonus episodes
2: fairly
0: short. Sure. <laughs> hey, um, shall uh, we jump straight into the background of Spider-Man 3 before we all, uh, let's not beat around the bush, probably all tear it to fucking pieces. Let's do it. Cool. Let's go. So, as previously mentioned in our Spider-Man 2 episode, the film had barely been out a weekend before Sony uh, greenlit Spider-Man 3 and announced it would then be released in summer 2007. Now, the screenwriter for Spider-Man 2, a guy named Alvin Sargent, He was brought into the Sony offices and was given a seven-figure deal. That's in the millions, baby. Uh, To write Spider-Man 3 and then Spider-Man 4. So the original plan was to have Sam Raimi and his brother, Ivan Raimi, to spend two months writing a treatment for the film. Meaning like a, a breakdown of the film's plot before handing that over then to Alvin Sargent to then take that treatment and turn it into a script. Sam Raimi decided that Spider Man 3 was going to explore Peter learning that he's not a, in their words, a sinless vigilante, and also learn that there can be humanity in the people that he considers criminals. So Raimi knew bum, that bum, Harry Osborn...
1: Oh! Yes! Hello! Audio commentary facts. Oh, it sounds amazing through that new mic, man. Oh, yeah, it does. It's <laughs> oh, worth shit. every penny. <laughs> my eard- my eardrums are jizzing right now. <laughs> Raimi said in the
2: audio commentary, which was, um I listened to one of them. There are two, but um come on, give me a break. <laughs> um this one featured the cast, um Sam Raimi, so it was James Frankie James Franke, <laughs> oh, um, Frankie Toby McGuire,
0: uh Bryce <laughs> Dallas Howard,
2: uh, Tom Hayden Church and uh <laughs> Topher Grace and Kirsten Dunst. Um, and they, he said of the film um, that the separate story was before, and he said, very tellingly, the suit was brought in. Sam and Ivan wrote about the um, the sin of pride being the main theme that they wanted and that uh, Parker is unable to admit he's wrong and his sense of right and wrong is completely skewed and sees himself as the hero and Flint as the villain and it's as black and white as that and there's no shades of grey in there. And then the black suit came in. And he kind of just fell off silent.
0: Sam Raimi also knew that obviously Harry Osborn had to come back as his arc was not yet finished. Now, in the original treatment, uh, not only was Harry Osborn one of the villains, but also the Sandman and the Vulture were also the villains of the film. This was not just like a a fleeting idea too, because the role of the Vulture (laughs) was... (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Keeping the episodes short. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a quick one
2: quick one um, do you no. know who the Vulture was going to be played by yes Ben Kingsley Ben Kingsley hmm. and Marvel got him eventually for Colin's favourite
0: hey. Iron Man 3. Trevor Trevor Slattery oh stop
1: it <laughs> Oh, that's horrible. That's bringing back so many horrible movies. In the five-star masterpiece, Iron Man 3. (laughs) I will never, ever get why you gave that shit five stars, man. You really lost me with that one, but I love you anyway. Thank you very much. That's why you
0: value Rob's opinions better than mine. It still hurts. So don't give (laughs) shit films five stars, man. (laughs) This episode has gone off the rails already, and I love it. It's bonus, baby. Bonus, baby. <laughs> we can fuck <laughs> no about. No rules for the bonus. Exactly. No. So uh, Sam Raimi really wanted Sandman to be in the film because, um, much like Doc Ock, Raimi felt that he was like one of the most visually fascinating characters in like the Spider-Man's roster of uh, villains. Now, the character of Sandman never really got much depth in the comics, other than being like a petty thief. And so it was decided by the Ramees that Sandman would be stealing money to provide medical care for his daughter. Uh, But it would also be revealed that he was instrumental in the death of Uncle Ben, uh, therefore playing a big part in the film's message of forgiveness. Now, just after the treatment was completed, a producer at Sony, a man named Avi Arad, I hope that's how you pronounce it, um... He told Raimi to cut the vulture from the film and instead include Eddie Brock Jr., otherwise known as Venom. Now, A.V. uh, AV told Raimi that he was focusing too much on his personal favorite Spider-Man villains and not the ones that modern fans were interested in. Uh, Raimi didn't love the idea, but uh, the producers, you know, they're the guys that are funding and then distributing the film, so Raimi kind of had to go back to the treatment and include Venom whilst also cutting The Vulture. And just after that treatment was completed, Alvin Sargent again began work on another draft of the script, only then to be told to stop by the producers. They felt that even though Mary Jane is a main character of this film's trilogy, it might be wise to put in a new love interest, that being (laughs) Gwen Stacy. And Uh. this was added without Sam Raimi's approval. Uh, Alvin Sargent soon found himself having to write a script that had to wrap up the Harry Osborn and Peter Parker feud, progress Peter's relationship with Mary Jane whilst also adding in a new love interest in Gwen Stacy, creating a villain and an arc in Sandman and also having vil- a Venom as another villain. He soon realized it was impossible. And so he approached Sony to say, well, guys, you've contracted me for a fourth Spider-Man movie anyway. How about I turn this into two movies and we'll just end Spider-Man 3 in a bit of a cliffhanger? The producers at Sony said, no, this all had to be one film. Uh, So the film somehow actually released on time in summer 2007 and actually grossed more than the two previous Spider-Man movies. This film was massive. However, despite that, the critical response was not great and even more importantly, the fans did not respond well either. The general consensus regarding the film, uh, I've looked at a few reviews, was that it plods along, lacks humour, most scenes feel sluggish and all three villains combined can't even add up to one doc ock. Um, actually, apart from Jonathan Ross, who when he reviewed it called it the best film of the trilogy. <laughs> Jesus, Christ. I want what he's smoking. Yeah, man. Now, after its release, Sony actually approached Sam Raimi to see if he was interested in Spider-Man Four, but this time they'd given him they'd give him enough time. Uh, to make the film. They'd give him all the time he needed, actually, saying that if he wanted, they could even release the film in summer 2011, giving him four years to write and direct the film. They told him that they were going to do a Venom spin-off film in the meantime and focus on that before coming back to Spider-Man 4. Sam Raimi declined, saying that because of their interference, he ended up making, in his words, an awful movie. Even... Avi Arad came to his senses in 2018 and, during an interview, accepted responsibility for Spider-Man 3 and admitted to pushing Raimi to include Venom in the film, saying, I think we learned very quickly that Venom is not a sideshow. So Raimi walked, and after he did, obviously then so did Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst, and so Spider-Man 4 was abandoned, uh, along with the Venom spin-off. Well, for a few years, at least. We'll get onto that uh, in a one day, I'm sure. Next mm-hmm. time, uh, baby. Next time, baby. Uh, I can only imagine, though, that Alvin Sargent put his head in the sand during all of this and did a vanishing act, just in case Sony realised how much they paid him to make Spider-Man 4. Uh, sounds like he took the money and ran. And so, after that fairly brief introduction, what uh, what follows is my favourite question every single week. Colin, what did you think?
1: Um, oh, man, this was a tough watch. Um, <laughs> I struggled a lot with it. I mean, this is the first one out of any of these we've done where I literally had to watch it in two sittings. I This film was an absolute mess. Let's be real, this film sucks. Stub. Yeah. This is awful. <laughs> This was just full of so many like really on-the-nose cliches and coincidences coming out of its arse. It was just hard to watch. Somehow they managed to make a lot of the characters super unlikable and it was not enjoyable for me. Wow. Yep. And yourself, Rob, how was this rewatch for you?
2: I don't think I sit where Colin sits. <laughs> that's good, I'm glad. But that's not to say I don't agree that it's a fucking mess. <laughs> but there is, I think, most of all, I feel it's frustrating. And I felt the same when I watched Terminator Dark Fate, the most recent Terminator film. I was like, I think the biggest shame is that it's almost good. like, There's so many good ideas in there. Um, you could see that if he was given the space to just focus on Sandman...
1: Oh yeah, that was I mean, how can you do three villains in one film? Even
2: was... with Vulture I think it would have been too much, but if you'd had, you know, Harry as the you know, the the sort of maybe the main villain and Sandman's trying to do his thing at the same time could have been a lot more interesting. I like that they played they could've without Venom still played with the ideas of him being too prideful and his ego and all that stuff. Could have still really worked. And I think Sandman does have that ramey touch of being you you empathize with him but at the same time you know he is a villain and and visually whenever there's a sandman sequence
0: i am that, in. that's when i found myself most in the film was maybe yeah, during some it's of the incredible sandman whenever there's
2: a sandman bit and in one particular sandman sequence which i think we'll get to i think is incredible hmm but just the film as a whole is a yeah absolute mess and I think that's <laughs> what I find frustrating there's there's i I like a lot of little moments in it and a few scenes mm-hmm.
0: but overall it's just
2: like it's tough to like
0: it's it's no secret that for this podcast when we do an episode on a film i'll watch it two to three times like I always say just to really you know force the film into my head and you know really get to know these <laughs> bad boy is like the palm of my hand and sort of echoing what colin said i couldn't do it with this film i watched this once and i actually had to watch it over the course of a few days um it's yeah I, i mean i always knew this wasn't a great film um i can't believe that we're about to talk about him for a second time this podcast but i can still remember walking out of the cinema in Norwich City Centre, a 19-year-old George O'Connor with his mate Daniel Clay, the Clay Train. Um, <laughs> I was a massive Spider-Man fan. I still am. And I remember looking at him as we walked out and going, was it just me? Or was that an absolute mess? <laughs> and it hurts even more this time around, I think. Maybe because we've just watched Spider-Man 1 and 2 in such close know, succession. And they were so yeah. good. And they're so good. And it, you know, we got so close to an all-timer of a trilogy. And yeah, Definitely. it really hurts. And you know what You know what it feels like? It feels like Spider-Man 1 was made by people who couldn't believe their luck that they got to play in this sandbox. Like it was a privilege to them. And so like a really beautiful film was made. And this film re- really respected comic books and the power that comic books have. Mm. And And Spider-Man 2 felt like that exact same team, but their confidence sky high that they knew that they had maybe now the world's most famous film character at that time with spider-man and you know the they had the world essentially in the palm of their hands at that time and with great power comes great responsibility they had the power of the sun in the palm of their hands exactly and they respected the fuck out of it though and that's why they made that masterpiece that is spider-man 2 and something just obviously went wrong along the way it feels like that confidence is gone that pride has gone well it Uh, sounds
1: like a lot of people that had no business doing so stuck their stupid faces in and it turned into a complete mess it's Mm. a
0: massive part of it yes if
1: you had left it to the creative guys and the artists who come up with these great ideas and not Mm -hmm. some of these suits that want to get credited as some sort of you know creative input or whatever popping their noses in let the artist do the art you sit in your cubicle and suckle on the teat of your boss that you know you're making (laughs) loads of money for
0: yeah. Um Colin, have you heard about anything in the news about the Batgirl movie? No. Right. Shall we get into this for a little bit, Rob?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So hold on. But but this is this is DC then, isn't it? We're yeah, not- yeah.
0: Yeah, so they announced Go they're gonna
1: it. do a Batgirl
0: movie. Um they uh announced the cast, um I think it was Brendan Fraser from like The Mummy. Yeah, yeah. He was going to be the villain in it. Uh, he was—he's making sort of like a, he's having a bit of a career resurgence right now. Okay. Um, it finished filming. Um, the two guys who they had directing it are really, really good. They did the new Bad Boys movie, Bad Boys for Life, and it's actually okay. a very good film. Really visually inventive, really fun. Uh, they have done a little bit of work with Marvel on a on a project you'll see later. And uh, yeah, so they filmed the Batgirl movie, and it was currently in post-production, editing it. And the uh, Warner Brothers, who currently own DC, have decided to cancel the movie outright. Um, It's not going to be seen on streaming. It's never going to see a cinema screen in its life. They've they've had to tell all the cast and all the directors, I'm sorry, this is not getting released. And they've done it because of a tax write-off. They've somehow found out that if they cancelled this film and call it,
1: they'll be able to get a little bit of money back. Is it? Is this? Is that confirmed, or is that rumors it's done. and theory? No, it's done.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow. But um, and there's a big well, outrage at the moment. Yeah, I mean that's what happens when it's, these things happen, man. It's like when business and art collides. You know, these yeah. industries are formed, and
0: yeah, yeah it's uh,
1: awful.
0: It's not, I feel really, really bad for, uh, yeah, these guys. Uh, it's not but, nice. So, yeah, interestingly, with with the you know, the
2: theme that they're aiming for with Spider-Man 3 being that pride is something, an ego is something that gets to um, Peter Parker, you have these producers and Avi Arad, who was involved in all the sort of, um, he, he originated in the toy business, which tells you everything you need to know. But yeah. he um, he was involved in the animated series of stuff as well. Um, so I think that's how he got involved in Marvel.
0: Mm. But
2: um, it's like they had the successes of those first two films and he was like, everyone loves my, the film I produced. Oh. It's not about the team, which exactly. if you listen to the audio commentary facts, that's, even on this film, that's all Sam Amy does. If someone says, oh, this scene's amazing, Sam, he goes, yeah, well, I had a very good team, You know, all the stunt coordinators mm. were great and the visual effects guys were good, and he names them all. Yeah. Um, whereas you you can kind of see this image of the producers being like, "Yeah, look at these two massive successes we made," and um and what you get is um this. And interestingly, there is a editor's cut of the film, which hmm. was released on a on a box set, um, one singular box set, which I don't own, but is also on the iTunes release of Spider Man Three. Mm. So if Have you watching, seen it? I couldn't bring myself to watch it, but I did a bit of research because <laughs> um, I've already watched it with the. I've watched it twice, right? Mm. For this, I watched it without the commentary and with the commentary this wow. time around because it had been. I wasn't as au okay fait with it as some of the other films that we've been watching. Mm. But yeah, it clocks in at two minutes shorter than the theatrical cut. The editor's cut of Spider Man 3 shuffles around the structure and extends certain sequences and removes of certain sequences like the um, I was there the night your
1: father died that gone oh right. geez huh? yeah, when yeah. Sudden, suddenly the butler's a forensic scientist huh? that bit yeah. yeah never thought to mention it beforehand <laughs> wait until
2: the perfect moment for the film needed it yeah great <laughs> um, it adds uh, lots of scenes of, of Peter sort of wreaking havoc and sort of being a bit more brutal in the black suit and it also adds a scene with the Sandman and his daughter as well okay so it's it's from what i've heard it's marginally better Mm. (laughs) if that's a uh if that's praise at all Um, (laughs) but i will watch it at some point i think if i ever watch it again i'll watch the editor's cut just to
0: yeah it'd be really interesting to see what they do with the structure like you mentioned that they've rearranged the structure yeah
2: i'm interested i think there's a few bits where it moves around the scene in which peter goes to harry's um you know mansion and you know fights him I think he moves that earlier. Mm. But I almost think in in the same way that like finding Nemo was gonna have the the death of Nemo's mother further yeah. in the film, I almost think that the Peter Parker and Sandman thing should have been right at the start. Mm. And and sort of lead in with that.
0: Yeah. Um, I can almost like an extended prologue, get the villain that villain over and done with so we can move on to other things.
2: Yeah, and then you'd already, you wouldn't have to do all this over-explaining of, of,
1: you know, the Uncle Ben stuff. You could still have... Oof, that was rough. Yeah. Oh, well, trust me, out. we're going to get into yeah. the Uncle
0: Ben stuff. Jesus.
1: But I, I, do, I do agree with something you touched on, Rob, is saying that, like, I just feel they did such a good job in those first two of really creating characters that we cared Mm. about. And even this one didn't even feel, it didn't have that city that it didn't have that New York character to it. I don't think in this one, Mm -hmm. it felt so, so all over the place, but I think it would have been so good if, if James Franco was just like you said, like the main villain. And it was a lot Mm. about, because that's what it's kind of been building up to throughout the first two. There's always, he's always been in the back, like gradually building more and more hatred towards Spider-Man and Peter Parker and, Mm. It just felt like they could have explored that way more. And it could have been a much more heartfelt. I don't know, man. There was there was way too much going on. Too many new characters just throwing so much at you. It was
0: <laughs> how this feels to me in a nutshell is the first two instalments felt like that team that I was talking about saying Watch this. Look what we can do. Yeah. But that third film just felt like maybe everyone was just turning up to work if that makes sense. Yeah. Like they didn't get out of bed with that same urgency and hunger and drive that they did with the first two films. They got out of bed for the third one because they had to. It was another day at work. Um it feels forced, it feels fake. Uh the heart mm. is completely gone. Completely. And I think at the audience and sounds like definitely us, once the heart has gone, you can always tell. And stuff like this just makes me sad. Mm. So, on that, <laughs> shall we do a deep dive? Because I am very keen to know some of your thoughts regarding quite a few aspects of this film. Do it. So, a year after Otto Octavius's death, Peter Parker plans to propose to Mary Jane Watson, who has made her Broadway musical debut. In Central Park, a meteorite lands near the two, and an extraterrestrial symbiote follows Peter his, uh, to his apartment. Of course it does. Of uh, course, by attaching <laughs> close, <laughs> to his motorbike. Um, so, uh, let's just jump straight in with one of the big ones. Colin, you've said many times that Toby Maguire is your Peter Parker. How mm. is he in cool, Spider-Man God's 3? Been, uh... Because you know, I think we all know the script for maybe isn't the greatest. But you know, mm. some some people say that a great actor can overcome a bad script. Does that ring
1: true here? I, I, I would say it doesn't. To be honest, I felt like. Uh, No disrespect to any of the actors involved. No disrespect to Sam Raimi or anything because it clearly they were all probably wanting to do something extremely different to what came out. So maybe that was why. Maybe the actors even were a bit pissed off and thought, fuck this shit, I'm not going to... I don't know, you never know how they're feeling. But no, Tobey Maguire, I mean, I love the dude. Massive respect to him. He's still my Peter Parker, but this film did not help. (laughs) This film did not help at all. They somehow managed to make him unlikable and not just unlikable, I'm fine with that if it's done in a, in a right way, but just sort of like almost irritable. Like it was just uh-huh. like, there was just my, his facial expressions. He he came across really goofy in places. Yeah. I don't know, man. It just, it, it's just the first time in all of this trilogy where you, I, he was not my favorite character at all. When you were just, he just made some really stupid decisions. His personality yeah. seemed to completely change. He turned into this asshole boyfriend, him and him and Mary Jane's relationship. Like by this point in the trilogy, they've been together for a long time and they've grown mm. together and they've got a long, you know, a standing relationship from the high school days. Yet it doesn't seem like they've got the ability to just get together and have an adult conversation about anything. <laughs> mm. It's just like, what are you doing? They're talking to each other like they met, they've been on two three dates. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it, it all gone. and Dunce, man, she was quality in this. Yeah. She was well, the only one that I thought was good. And yeah. even then, she still ends up as this bumbling, screaming person hanging out of a car at the end of it. Of it was she crap. Does.
0: <laughs> um, i mean I, yeah i'm definitely kind of with you on a lot of that and one thing that really got me is i'm happy um this is less toby Maguire, more maybe the script i'm happy for them to make have peter parker make some questionable decisions of course if he's been if he's got the symbiote attached to him and stuff like that um but that whole moment where he kisses gwen stacy oh, is the moment when that? i was like you're a dick yeah, yeah. what are you doing and what are you doing it didn't it didn't ring true it felt really weird really forced it didn't work for me um but rob uh, how was toby maguire in spider-man 3 for you
2: i think he did the best he could with what he had mm-hmm. agreed i think obviously knowing that gwen stacy was something that was in, you know, added because of the producers i can imagine it would have been a lot less egregious if he was sort of becoming arrogant and slowly becoming sort of believing mm. the hype in a way and um, and sort of does this, you know, showboats in different ways at mm-hmm. that, you know, event for him and all this sort of stuff.
1: But it was all just so coincidental like that crane or well not the crane, that sort of hanging steel rod just manages to hit that building on exactly the floor that <laughs> when Stacy's having a photo shoot which is just like yes oh (laughs) audio commentary facts
2: um so the photographer in that sequence when she's having her photo shoot the Mm -hmm. guy goes okay gwen i've got i've got a secret it's my copier that guy (laughs) she was she was on the set and um he came up to her and said you probably don't remember me i was the i used to be a magician before i got into doing sort of like extra work and I was the magician at your second grade birthday party. Whoa. <laughs>
0: what? Yeah. Wow. that You should have saved that for your trivia, sir. Oh, you you wait till what I've got Oh, trivia, oh. there's okay. some confidence right because there. I'm going
2: to put some dirt in your eye.
0: That's I, I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm a little confident about this week's trivia okay. as well, though.
1: Well, that just gets me more excited. I for it,
0: haven't then. been for a while, and I like this
1: one. Head-to-head battle going on later.
0: Yeah, so... Um, in terms of c- continuing with Toby Maguire, I think they are asking a lot of him in this film and i you know I think Toby Maguire gets a lot of shit for emo peter parker <laughs> that is that's obviously uh, that decision is not one of his it's it's of the filmmakers mm. and he does try his best bless him but um, mm. someone whether that be Sam Raimi or a producer you you would just hope that they clocked on to the fact that it wasn't working.
1: Oof! The amount of those, him firing the guns, uh, Mm -hmm. walking down the street, (laughs) there was too much oh man, there was some real cringe out moments in this one.
0: Yeah, and they never really give Toby, you know, other than maybe emo Peter Parker, anywhere new to go emotionally I felt, it just felt like we've seen all this stuff before, you know, with Harry and the fallouts with Mary Jane, he even even gets scenes in this one to do with Uncle Ben's death again, and Hmm. I think that by not pushing the character and therefore toby there's some sequences where maybe this is too harsh i don't know he's almost sleepwalking Mm. and i I really love toby mcguire as well uh, as spider-man and as both peter parker but as i mentioned earlier kind of feels like in this one there's there's a couple of times where he's just cashing in his check really yeah i mean i hate to keep going on with
2: what it could have been Mm -hmm. but i just keep thinking like i don't even mind the uncle ben stuff because i think In a film that's less crowded, if he goes up against Sandman then after his first encounter with him finds out that he's, you know, responsible in some way towards the death of Uncle Ben.
0: Yeah.
2: Him going into that, he doesn't need the black suit to be seeking vengeance to go against your villain. You've got a compelling way to see him being obsessed by something and and losing sight of the things that are important
1: yeah without uh,
2: any of the venom shit without any of the emo stuff yeah <laughs> it's just frustrating mm-hmm. and i think you know there, there were there are elements of that i i really like of his um you know what he gets to do in this but other bits i just
0: they fall flat yep yeah. uh so harry osborne knowing peter is spider-man seeks to avenge his father's death Using his father's performance-enhancing gas and Green Goblin technology, he battles Peter to an eventual stalemate, developing partial amnesia. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Screw it. Let's just keep the biggies going here. So James Franco as Harry Osborn, Colin's head is in his hands. Much like Tobey Maguire, this is his third time around. Colin, uh, glad to see him back. Does he approve upon his previous performances?
1: I mean, I was glad to see him back, you know, initially. It was like, okay, cool. But just, I just, uh, I mean, firstly, for some strange reason, and normally I'm kind of kind on this because of the age of it, but what the fuck happened to the CGI in this one? It's
0: it's worse, right?
1: I mean, Mm. don't get me wrong. There are moments. There are moments where it looks pretty good. There's some Sandman bits that I quite liked. But for every one of those, there was at least five to ten moments where I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> like it, it was very Uncanny Valley. It looked like it was, and I'm only I'm only saying that just because of I think I was probably singing the praises of the CGI in the first two. Yeah. So it's kind of it's a bit interesting to see how. I mean that that fight scene between those two just looked comical to me. It was oh, I really like that sequence. I'll be honest. I like I like Spider Man having the uh, like the the ball the web balls is mm-hmm. quite good. He's swing around that
2: skyscraper, firing yeah. him at him,
1: and yeah. But I don't know. It just it, I, I I don't really like James Franco as this sort of the Goblin version of himself. It I don't know. It it just it, it didn't feel right. Yeah, I I kind of like when he gets to have a bit of sort
2: of um, Franco ham, Franco ham, oh, oink, yeah. oink 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 oink. <laughs> You could say that is so, so good, <laughs> as he does. <laughs> when he's when he's in full strawberry cheesecake eating. Doing the like, wink
0: across the road.
2: Yeah, that I think he's Ugh. clearly having fun with it, and I don't mind that stuff so much. I think mm-hmm. if he was the same as Willem Dafoe when he was giant, mean, it, it's nice that his version of Goblin is also like, when, when he sort of got the Goblin mindset, Mm. He's kind of like this sort of moustache twirling, a bit sort of like yeah, true. If he was exactly the same as Defoe, it would be people would be saying, "Oh, it's just the same thing again." So I quite like that he, he got to have a little bit of fun with that sort of like.
1: Personally, just because again, I don't know how much of this stuff is taken from comics and what the kind of mm. lineage of these characters, but mm. I just would have much preferred to have seen his villainous role just go down a very different path. I feel like. This sort of we're gonna we have to believe that because he found a little room in his in his dad's mansion to you know some of this equipment he just all of a sudden seems to have the same amount of knowledge of how to, you know, acquire all of these items and use Mm -hmm. them and stuff. It just all felt a bit thrown together, and um, and then Mm -hmm. him having the whole amnesia thing, man. I mean, come on. (laughs) (sighs) You must
2: agree, though, that the bit where he gets absolutely twatted by that (laughs) the bit of uh, web. And then the sound effect with the dong, <laughs> and then the <a laughs> donk, and then him landing in the alleyway. Yeah, it's quite frankly some of the best sound editing I've heard
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah the the sound designer gets a, a round of applause for that yeah. one for sure. I, I also yeah.
2: just love the the sort of bit they brought into that fight scene of Peter trying not to lose the ring and like the slow motion like yes, trying to grab it out of and, and that, that whole sequence was fun. of
0: um, stake building of bringing in the ring. I really, mm. really liked. Yeah, I really. Mm. Like yeah, that. it worked for me. But it was. um,
2: I think it gets to the point where Sandman turns to mud, and I kind
1: of lose interest. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and also I, I will say I did quite. It was quite enjoyable seeing that fight scene when when. Well, Peter Parker, Spider Man is actually in like, I think he's in street clothes at that point as well, isn't he? Which is quite an interesting Mm -hmm. visual, something that we hadn't seen yet. But I mean, Mm. I'm being very kind, complimenting this. (laughs) So wrap this
0: one up for me, boys. I'm going to ask you both a question. I want your answer James Franco or James Time to Go? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Jesus.
2: (laughs) I mean, I thought you were going to say James Franco or James Frank No,
0: but. That could have worked.
1: Sounds like you're going to be like no lighty, no likey or whatever. Brilliant. It was from that <laughs> shit show from a few years ago. Let the goblins see the snowboard.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if there was a buzzer for fucking me. me not to ever see James Franco again as whatever he is in this new... What's he called? Goblin, it's called Hulk New Goblin. Is Goblin is oh, is it? Okay. Mm. It's a no from me, mate. Mm. Yeah, he's... he's um, it's a yeah. shame, though. Like I, I, like, I say all this with probably nowhere near the same amount of frustration as you guys have because you're generally fans of this stuff Mm. but it it was frustrating to watch yeah it was just it was like what what are they doing with these characters that like generally i mean i was Mm. pretty close to giving spider-man to a five i'm not gonna lie to you (laughs) but i generally was feeling that man like that was not only was it full of nostalgia i was like i'm in with these characters this is fucking good shit so it is very frustrating and and my my sort of bubbling anger that's going to be going throughout this podcast is more from frustration than hatred.
0: I'm completely yeah. with you, because don't get me started on this amnesia
1: storyline, because I
0: oh. cannot stand amnesia storylines in both film and TV, because it's lazy writing, right? Um, and just that massive grin that he had the whole time. <laughs> was like, But oh. yeah, that's what I want to get into, because I will say this, I've been racking my brain over this for a couple of days now. I don't know whether Franco's performance as, we'll, we'll call him Amnesia Harry, is mm-hmm. is charming or creepy because it's certainly a choice. Mm. Yes.
2: Audio, commentary, facts. In the parade scene when they're having the um you know Spider Man getting the key to the city, it was James Franco's choice for him to be chewing on um candy floss whilst <laughs> chatting to Mary Jane. Because in his mind he's gone back to being like teenage, sort of Ugh. naive, simpleton kind of uh,
0: holy shit that's my that's 13. literally in my notes that i wrote down i've got wrote down here when i was watching the film it's like when harry has just awoken from his coma not only has he lost all of his short-term memory but he's 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 awakened as a 13 year old harry mm-hmm.
2: yeah um, that's
0: essentially what he was trying to do so then i'm for it yeah but you're
1: for it even though it's short-term memory loss oh no but that not doesn't for that. mean I'm, I'm, no fuck okay. that i'm I'm, wi- okay. I'm i'm with the performance Mm. Okay, I, I generally think I don't know if it's because I've seen Pineapple Express too many times, uh-huh. but I do enjoy him, or at least I, I find him more believable when he's that rather than a villain.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah,
1: I don't I don't know how well he sells the villain role for me. No, but again, that might just be the amount of times I've watched Pineapple Express in my life, and I kind of just have that character ingrained mm. into my brain. It is my favorite comedy of all time. Oh, it's amazing! Oh, it's my number we're one. Disagree? <laughs> no,
0: it's my number I one. Made that film, yeah. Um,
2: Let's continue. The, the before... one bit that made me laugh in that film. Go on. I saw it once at the cinema, and it's the painting of um, James Franco and his nan. Yep. That's
0: on the wall. <laughs> that's, that's a hilarious piece of prop design. Other than that, I wasn't feeling it. Oh, give it another rewatch. Though it's fantastic.
2: I will give it one more watch, but um, I'll say this on my first viewing. It did not enamour itself
0: to me. (laughs) That's fine. Uh, Meanwhile, police pursue escaped convict Flint Marco, who visits his wife and sick daughter before fleeing. Falling into an experimental particle accelerator... (laughs) Colin, sorry, sorry. Uh, that fuses his body with the surrounding sand. He gains the ability to control and reform his body with sand, becoming Sandman. So, villain time. Uh, we're in for a few, few villain times, I think. As technically, this is villain number two, I guess. Um, Do you want a jingle, George? Yeah, I'd love it. Yes. yes, please. I'd love
2: one. Oh, villain time! A villain time! It's time for some villains, and there's three in this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: fantastic oh, colin where does sandman rank amongst spider-man villains and how was thomas hayden's church's performance
1: no, i wasn't really feeling him to be honest mm. i think everything again i'm gonna this is gonna i'm gonna be repeating myself a lot but it was all just so coincidental yeah so he's 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 being chased by the police and then suddenly he's walking through a field Climbs over a fence that's full of barbed wire and doesn't seem to affect him whatsoever. Yep. Then he just stumbles and falls into what was it? A park accelerator, accelerator or something? And mm. then and then it flicks to this sort of underground bunker that these people must be in, mm-hmm. about to perform sure. some whatever <laughs> it is. And they're like, "Oh, it must." It, they say something about it, Oh, it's just a bird or something. something it's probably like a that. bird. It will fly out. <laughs> so so that's 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 one thing that was annoying. Got to be careful then where you, where you get, fall. <laughs> then you get the whole thing happens. So are we just supposed to believe that these people just hit a button and then just sort of left and didn't bother didn't check. noticing anything had happened or maybe, hold on, that bird is... Or I don't know, it just seemed a little weird. Then he gets given a locket from his daughter, which has a picture of her in it, right? I guess, yeah. I mean, how many people carry around lockets with pictures of themselves in it for a start? And also, this thing seems to be completely like whatever that thing's made out of man they need to be given that shit to the military because it doesn't it survives everything and it just seems to stay in his hand right yeah brilliant
0: too much so good <laughs> um thank you for that colin you've made my night um rob sandman or it just makes me sad man <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> these fucking bonus episodes i swear the <laughs> chaos isn't they Good <laughs> chaos it's
1: amazing
2: um i again there's a lot of missed potential here but for what we do have a sandman i find his scenes the most um and his set pieces the most enjoyable parts
1: well even with the the, the like obvious suddenly there's a truck full of sand <laughs> that he goes into yeah and then, and then a cop with a like the most kill shot shovel goes in and tries, to, like, what was that all about?
2: I don't even mind that. I think it's, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I honestly, it, it sort of, um, I think, because there's so many plot holes in Spider Man 2. But I yeah,
1: think the characters are
2: good. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think if Sandman was given that space, mm. all of these separate set pieces would be really fun and enjoyable, and you'd forget about all that extra stuff. Mm-hmm. I personally love the sequence of him rebuilding. And I don't even mind the locket because I think to myself, you could explain that away. How? Because there's a picture of, of, yeah, the girl, but also Mm. you imagine he's been in prison. He could Mm -hmm. have given a gift to her before he went into prison of his face and her in the locket. The mum wants nothing to do with it. It's gone. The girl gives it back to him.
1: Okay, but how does it... Survive that, and then suddenly, when he gets turned into mud later, it and he sort fl- of flows out the other end. It's just sat with his hand again. How
2: does Toby McGuire get his mask back when he's thrown it off on the top of a speeding plane, <laughs> a train, and two young boys manage to find it, catch up with the train, give it back to him? There's tons
1: of plot holes. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not I'm definitely not going to disagree with you on that one. There I are I just tons think there's like
2: I'm not saying that obviously, obviously this isn't me arguing that Spider-Man Three is the most perfect film ever, but I think. What it tries to do right, you can see that the interest was in Sandman. Yes. And um, trying mm. to make him have a human
1: motivation. Yeah, they definitely and, tried to push the whole the father-daughter thing. But I just mm. think by this point, I don't think it's necessary to bring any of that in. Mm. It's just another thing. that, And now there's... It's that, it's the other um, villains that come up. And then we have these two love triangles at one point. Mm. It's just like, it's so much going it on. Is so much, you yeah. don't even remember about the fact they're trying to build a relationship between Sandman. Like, Sandman just seems like a complete, you know, like a throwaway character throughout much of this. He should have
2: been. He should have been. No, I'd agree. There's
1: definitely, uh, like, I think we're all going to agree there was just way too much thrown at the wall on this one. and It was just hard to kind of keep up with it, really. We'll
0: get into it later, but how random is the team up between sandman and venom it just doesn't work at all later Mm. um yeah but i'm not just saying this because it's public knowledge but i think you can really tell that Raimi's interest as a director lies with sandman and i love that like the first half of the film that at least a lot of the scenes with flint sometimes feel like they could be scenes from like a period film uh, it feels like nineteen thirties, nineteen forties, America. All the way from you know, um the music when he's on screen, um, mm. the clothes he wears, the set design of his house. As you notice, there's I don't think there's anything electrical in the house, there's maybe like a fridge potentially, but it, it all feels very period America. And Raimi was bang on the mm. money when he said he's again one of the most visually interesting Spider-Man villains. There's some really great imagery in some of the fight scenes. Uh, it would have been really interesting to see what they could have done if he was the primary villain of the film. I think definitely you, know, you both yeah, said that. and then
2: having you know um, Peter having to deal with the Harry yes stuff in his personal Andy Spider Man life, and also dealing with Sandman in his personal and his Spider Man life is um, there's would have been very interesting. I, I, I just think it's great that whole sequence, especially like. The You can look at the CG and sort of think, oh, it's dated a little bit. But that scene where it starts off with, like, tiny sand particles and then we see them all start to move mm-hmm. and then, you know, tries to stand but then crumbles back into, like, that whole slow... That was good. Mm-hmm. That whole sequence, I think, is, is great. Yes. Audio commentary facts. So, um... Tom Hayden Church said to <laughs> Sam Raimi he was filming that scene where he's running away from the police and obviously the scene that we'd had previous to that was him you know being quite empathetic with his daughter you know he's not a bad person he just had bad luck as he puts it and he wanted to show that you know this is still a villain so he pitched he, he he came up with a fault that he hadn't um he almost felt slightly ashamed to admit and he he went up to Sam Raimi and asked him a question And he said, is there any way I can punch a dog? Whoa. And um, (laughs) Sam maybe obviously asked him to explain. And he said, because I want this guy to be, one, show that he's tough. So when an attack dog bites him, he punches it off. And no one likes someone who punches a dog. Yeah. So he wants to have that element of there being a villainous side to him as well when he's backed into a corner. So they got a a stunt performer with a, a real dog biting um, the arm and everything and then as Sam Raimi puts it Thomas Hayden Church punched the shit out of a puppet dog <laughs> oh my Jesus. god to which he then said of course I got karma when a, a real dog bit him after he was as he was jumping over the fence <laughs> on his ankle um, and then he said but you didn't know that did you Sam because you were off getting a cappuccino oh
0: my god oh <laughs> 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 Rob, that's too... I'm scared about your trivia that's now this week because that's too yeah. good There's Some little uh, anecdotes yeah, must, you've got there. must
1: be confident. I'll let that. you
2: in on a secret. I was tossed up between that and a different one. Oh, for, for the actual oh, trivia? Okay. For my trivia this week. That um, was good. That was a strong one.
0: Interesting. Yeah,
2: we'll see how you... We, how we you shall about that one. <laughs> yeah. I really like the fight sequence where Spidey first fights him and he's in the back of that yeah. bank truck. And the did you know that the punch that he does that goes right through him the, was actually achieved because a stunt performer who was an amputee got in the Spider-Man costume, and um, they were able hmm. to make it so it looked like his hand was up pressed up against oh. Thomas Hayden Church's wow. mm. That's cool. Chest for that sequence. Yeah, I, I, like, I really like that sequence. Anyway, I like how I cocky. Do. Um, yeah. Um, Peter Parker is when he's like I'm the sheriff of these parts or this sort of thing mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like so brilliantly corny Peter Parker but uh, yep. you know he's just sort of so filled with ego in that moment mm-hmm. but the other thing that I really really loved from the
0: mm-hmm.
2: audio commentary facts <laughs> Tom uh, Thomas Hayden Church I think has got a very dry sense of humour and uh, I think me and him would uh, hmm. get on well But there's a moment when they're finding out about um, Peter's finding out about Uncle Ben, the whole link there, and um, you know uh, Captain Stacy's put the picture, and we think it may be this man, Uh and Thomas Hayden Church very very flatly goes, it turns out it was this man. He was also in Georgia the Jungle. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's fucking magnificent.
0: (laughs) I do love Thomas Hayden Church. Have has any of you seen Sideways? I haven't known. Oh my god, he's incredible in it. I
2: always thought when they were yeah, Walk the Lion came out and Joaquin Phoenix was announced to be playing Johnny Cash, I always thought they missed a trick, not
0: having Thomas Hayden Church play him. Yeah, that's a good shout. That's nice. So I'll try wrap up on, on Sandman, I guess, because they they do there are attempts. To try and make us empathise with him throughout this film. But there's just nowhere near enough. And we know why. It's a very stacked film. So then by the end of the film, he's just a big CGI villain. Just there to complicate things during the final set piece. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I could not care less about him being involved in Uncle Ben's death. It just felt really tacked on for me. And it didn't didn't work. Uh, Let's continue. Uh, During a festival honouring Spider-Man for saving Gwen Stacy's life... Peter kisses her to please the crowd, angering Mary Jane. Marco then robs an armoured truck and escapes after defeating Spider-Man. New York Police Department Captain George Stacy, Gwen's father, informs Peter and his Aunt May that Marco is Uncle Ben's true killer. The deceased Dennis Carradine was Marco's accomplice. At his apartment, as Peter sleeps in his Spider-Man suit whilst waiting for Marco to come out of hiding, the symbiote assimilates the suit. Peter awakens on top of a building, discovering that the symbiote has coloured his suit black and enhanced his powers. However, it also brings out dark parts of his personality. Uh, We've mentioned it already, but the whole Peter kissing Gwen Stacy thing obviously just doesn't work at least for me i mm. and, and i know that peter's ego is sort of running rampage but
1: to me it strayed too far from the character to ring true for me well let's let's not forget at this point he's thinking about like asking mary jane to marry exactly him well.
0: and he knows mary jane is there as well
1: and there's not been any of this what is it called the black stuff that turns him a bit the strange Symbiotes. yeah there's not been any of that in yet has there so it's no like totally out of character yes uh now obviously
0: we know that gwen stacy was a producer input but colin are you at least in agreement that bryce dallas howard as gwen stacy tries her best uh how did you think of her and did you like the addition of this love triangle i'm pretty sure i know the answer to that one
1: i mean yeah i I didn't i didn't like the addition to her character i mean she did a fine um you know she's perfectly fine and uh-huh. Uh, her job as an actor um <clears throat> i didn't even like the first scene when they're in that that classroom and the guy's fucking putting the shine in the light in his eyes and ah, yeah. oh, it's just crap <clears throat> i didn't like it and i didn't i wasn't keen he just didn't need that second sort of love thing that was going on between uh-huh. i don't know it just felt really shoehorned in and it it just added a whole level of I mean, what were they trying to do with that? I, I understand it was kind of wedged in from these higher up suit people, yes. but well, do they have any? Do they have any like?
0: I don't know. Who knows what their plans were for future films and stuff like that? But Rob, Gwen Stacy is quite an important Spider-Man character, right?
2: Yeah, she's his love interest before he meets MJ mm-hmm. in Whoa. the um, in the comics. Like, she is a big, big deal. Yeah, um, oh. and. It just sort of seems like they... Spider-Man 2, you you know, Peter and um, MJ are a couple for literally a minute at the end of the film. So we haven't seen any... We haven't seen them be a successful couple long enough to see them be an unsuccessful couple. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Leo uh, A spanner in the works, um, sort of, in terms of a love triangle, should only be there. Like with Ross and Rachel, when... You know, you have you throw these different things into their Will they won't they? And the yep. you know, just as he's about to ask, or just as she's about to tell her um, him how she feels, Julie comes on the scene, mm-hmm. and that's how you do it. Yeah, she was like a needless complication. She wasn't really. Peter wasn't really infatuated with her or, or, or anything. No. The, the the one moment I really like with Gwen Stacy and and Bryce Dallas Howard's performance is when in the jazz club, which isn't obviously the best scene in the world either but there's just a moment where peter leans her back and she sees that it was for mary jane mm-hmm. and that she's just being used yep. and she turns to mary jane and says i'm sorry yeah and that is a real nice moment mm. real nice performance from from mm. both parties there but yeah she's like you said Colin. she she doesn't do wrong it's the oh yeah yeah it's no the, the, to the higher ups that yeah, it's just she shouldn't have been there as a character. No. Maybe if they had done Spider-Man 4, then bring it in.
1: Yeah, so if she was such a big name in that world, you know, from the comic books, was there a definite negative reaction to her character from most of the fans because of that?
0: Hmm.
1: It's more that Mary Jane played
2: that role in Raimi's films.
1: Because oh, okay. she's supposed
2: to be like his high school girlfriend.
1: So is Mary Jane not in the comics then?
2: Mary Jane is, but she kind of comes around a lot later on.
0: Oh, after okay. the death of Gwen Stacy. Whoa. Yeah. At the hands of huh. the Green Goblin.
1: Yeah. Oh again, shit! I should be reading these comics,
0: man. Very similar in terms of
2: it. You know the the bridge scene in Spider-Man One. Mm-hmm. I think we did mention it in our bonus yeah. episode that it was in the comics. It's uh, that Green Goblin has her off the edge of a bridge um spider-man goes to catch her with his webs and it's the whiplash that breaks her
0: neck ah uh, you did yeah I'm yeah
2: impressed. so it's um it's a massive moment
0: yeah uh rob got it perfectly then um it's what i think i've already mentioned on our previous spider-man episodes i've got the poster up in my room i'm literally looking at sure. it right now of him holding gwen stacy um and it's devastating yeah uh, he he does catch her the web manages to reach her, but she's falling at such a a speed that, yeah, the whiplash of her almost, Christ. yeah, it's uh, so, devastating.
1: So would you guys say, or would the fan base massively agree on the fact that it probably just wasn't even worth bringing yeah. her into this film? Because they had already built built such a strong relationship between Mary Jane and Peter Parker.
0: Yeah, it kind of makes no sense. And I think Rob has put it perfectly. And you've made me realise something that I didn't even realise watching the film, in that they've only just become a couple at the last minute of Spider-Man 2. It's the wrong time to introduce Mm. uh, a a, a diversion or anything like that, because we haven't seen them be a good couple, let alone then. The the test
2: for their relationship is the fact that he's Spider-Man. That's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Oh, Rob, you're good. (laughs) So, continuing, Peter locates and battles Marco in a subway tunnel, discovering that water is his weakness. He opens a pipe, releasing water that reduces Marco to mud and washes him away. Peter's changed personality alienates Mary Jane, who also has received negative reviews from critics. She She shares a tender moment with Harry, but leaves in regret urged by a hallucination of his father harry recovers from his amnesia and forces mary jane to break up with peter harry later meets up with peter and tells him that mary jane loves him now under the influence of the symbiote peter confronts harry and spitefully claims that his father never loved him as peter leaves and as peter leaves after an ensuing fight Harry throws a pumpkin bomb at him, Peter to flex it back, disfiguring Harry's face. So, we have mentioned her very, very quickly in the beginning of the episode. So, let's talk Kirsten Dunst. She wasn't too happy of both the handling of her character and kind of the film itself after it's released. Um, Colin, was this justified or is she being too harsh?
1: It's ju- justified, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think she did the best job. With what she got given mm. out of all of them, though, if I'm honest, yep. it felt like she was holding on to a glimmer of what had been happening in the previous two films that I don't feel that any of the other casts mm. managed quite to. I don't know if that's because they were all pissed off with it going on, or like you said earlier on, maybe they were just phoning it in a bit, yeah. and cashing that check and leaving. But um, I thought she was good, and I thought she had some very human reactions to a lot of the stuff yeah. that was going on. You know, like her sort of her reactions to how odd peter was suddenly yep. acting even before this black spider-man thing happened i think you know and she was going through her own little story of of getting to where she wanted to be in a in a sort of you know her dream role and then suddenly it comes crashing down mm-hmm. and i felt like that was a good sort of representation of that kind of world you know it's very up and down and yet you get the good with the bad and it was just a shame that you didn't really see much of that and and yep. Peter Parker showed literally he didn't give two fucks about anything <laughs> that was going on with her throughout the majority of the film. And and yeah, and but then I didn't like the fact that how easily she kind of fell for this high school version of, of Harry Osborn. Yeah. And it just all felt a little... I mean, the whole film was just... Rushed. It was just too... Like Mm -hmm. it was too rushed and it was too coincidental. Everything just was all so Mm. neatly tied up and, oh, that's happened. So then this feels like
0: everything happens because the plot demands it instead of anything happening naturally.
2: How could it be if you just took out the amnesia angle, had it that he, Harry did get knocked out and was, you know, he lost that fight against Peter at the beginning, but wakes up and spins it like he he's, a villain and just like tries just to manipulate him, yeah. everyone, just milks the fact that everyone, yeah. you know, Aunt mm-hmm. May's you know, there to visit him. Peter has to walk into a room where Aunt May, um, you know, MJ are both sort of you know, looking out for Harry and he's still goblin. Mm-hmm. It, it, that would feel so much more tense. And the fact that if he was to knowingly sort of play on um their previous affections and have MJ over and and do all that stuff, yeah.
1: that is far more needed more, more time, right? Because it was just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. He said like one or two lines and the next thing you know, she's breaking up with him.
2: So there's a scene in which Harry is cooking omelettes and um, he sends oh, off yeah. um, <laughs> Bernard, the uh, butler, to go get food. We're, we're having guests, he says. But did you see how many fucking peppers he had in the bowl cut up <laughs> for how many he put in the omelette? He's a rogan. He's a rogan. <laughs> But then, not only that, he goes and kisses his best friend's girlfriend. He's a wrong one.
0: right wrong. wrong.
1: I'm gonna agree.
2: He's a with you. wrong. He's a wrong, one. wrong one. So many peppers wasted. Go back, that'd be the most the thing that offends you most about the film. It did me. I'm sitting there going, hang on. He's cut too many peppers for what he needs.
0: So, uh, Rob, does Kirsten Dunst exit this trilogy on a high note? She can
2: leave this trilogy with her head held high that she did an amazing job. And this, um, I think performance-wise, she is the highlight of the third film. She does some amazing stuff. Yeah, she plays the heartache of it all, the the sort of loneliness. And there's a scene when she says about, um, when she reads the critics' reviews, she just hears her father's voice. Really, Oof. really good stuff. And then Peter's like, get back on the horse. How punchable was he He's such, a, he's such, he such a dick scene. in this film. I know how you feel. People did not like uh, Spider-Man.
1: <laughs> oh, just fucking someone headbutt the guy. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> uh, so um, during
0: some research of this episode, and I use the word research very lightly, I read that at the final set piece of this film actually originally did not feature Mary Jane in the taxi at the end. It was actually going to be Gwen Stacy strung up in the taxi that needed saving at the end. That makes no sense to me It at would make all. sense
2: if Mary Jane was the one to then save Gwen. So before Peter's, she, she doesn't know what Peter's doing. She doesn't know, she's not going to trust Harry. So she goes in herself and she's the one that saves and yeah. then afterwards you've you've still got her in danger but not you yeah, know, a yeah. damsel. there's threat there and there's stakes, but she's There's a there's a reason And why she she's, she's taken yeah. it on upon herself to help this woman who said sorry to her
0: and is caught Ooh, up in all this. Rob Stop it Uh, Kirsten Dunst apparently uh, wasn't the happiest person in the world after being told she was being made the damsel in distress again for the last fight scene, and quite rightly so. You've been singing her praises. Can I say something quite controversial? please <laughs> um one of the opening scenes of this film is mary jane in her broadway debut and we we get to see her sing the opening number for uh, this play that she's in i mean I, don't get me started on the number of like sing and da- dance sequences there are in this <laughs> film like this film is one waltz away from being a musical It's why uh, instead of <laughs> You are. Oh, yeah. Fire that. the lyricist on that first wow. one. Wow. Yeah. And obviously, like we've just said, she reads the reviews the next day and gets completely savaged. Uh, was I the only one that sat there and went, yep, agreed? Mm. Yep. Uh, because they dedicate like this whole song for Kirsten Dance to sing. And I think I'd rather listen to a CD called The Sounds of People Dying <laughs> rather than listen oh, to a song on. by Kirsten Dunst. I'd rather oh. listen to Chad Crowe. Did she sing
1: it herself? <laughs> <laughs> Did she sing it herself? Oh, yeah, it sounds I like don't it. know. I mean, I, 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 I mean, look, I didn't think her voice was that bad, but the song itself and lyrically, it's it an old bit, musical like from the night, I think from like the nineteen
2: twenties or something like that. Oh, right. I will say this in defence of the song: it's actually in regards of the uh, musical itself, it's not supposed to be like a a happy song or a love song. So it's another mm. instance in which um, Peter Parker is fundamentally misunderstood.
0: He's sitting there smiling like a little yeah, idiot,
2: isn't he? he's miming it to oh, her, not awesome. realizing that this is not a a, a love song, and it's certainly not one that you mm-hmm. should propose to your your uh, girlfriend to. He's even singing along to her, isn't he? Yeah. Brilliant.
0: Oh, well done. I love it. At the Daily Bugle, Peter exposes rival photographer Eddie Brock. How have we not talked about Eddie Brock yet? Whose fake photos incriminate Spider-Man. Publisher J. Jonah Jameson fires Brock and promotes Peter to staff photographer. So, Eddie Brock arrives onto our screens, played by Topher Grace, in a role that he says took him six months to prepare for. Um... Christ. Does he top the list of villains we've seen so far in Colin Brain versus the MCU? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> yeah, it was a bit rhetorical, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah,
2: nah, it completely fell flat for me. I do feel for him because in the... Oh, whoa. Whoa. Audio commentary... Fuck! <laughs> We're testing yeah. that. He, microphone is he Tested the dynamic range. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Topher Grace was talking about, there's a moment where James Franco is like, so what's the deal with Venom in the comics? Um, and Topher Grace then goes on to talk for a good five to like ten minutes about the history of Venom mm. and the fact that he's a massive comic book nerd and that he was so like... Wow. Um, fanboying that one of his first scenes he got filmed was in the Daily Bugle and all this, and I really felt for him. I felt, oh, oh mate, oh, you no. clearly Oof. love yeah. this stuff. And he seemed like he was prepared for it as well, right? He just got dealt a bad hand. I don't think he's the worst Very, in the world. Completely. completely. Um, I just think it, it's badly written, and he's given nothing to do.
1: Yeah, I would have to agree with that. And, yeah, it wasn't a great performance from the guy, but, but yeah, it sounds... That must be heartbreaking mm. for him to, like you said, you know, that would be like if one of you guys ended up, I don't know, managing to work on one of these films, and then you just get fucked over at the last minute and get some horrible thing to do. It's like, oh, that's got to suck, man. Mm. Poor guy. Does he ever get a, I mean, what's he up he to? He was these in Black Klansman.
2: He was really good in that. Oh,
1: he's excellent he? okay. in Black Klansman. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Because that was not a, uh, I don't think that role would be a particularly great one on his portfolio. <laughs>
0: Later, Peter brings Gwen to a jazz club where Mary Jane now works. In an attempt to make her jealous, Peter interrupts Mary Jane's performance and dances with Gwen in front of her. Gwen, realising she's been used, apologises to Mary Jane and leaves. After assaulting the bouncers and accidentally hitting Mary Jane, Peter realises that the symbiote is corrupting him. Retreating to a church's bell tower and discovering that the sounds of clanging metal weaken the creature, Peter removes the symbiote. Brock, who is at the same church, becomes (laughs) the symbiote's new host. So here we go, the jazz club scene boys my testicles retracted inside my body i cringed that hard um now we all know that sam raimi is is like a fantastical director you know mm. he doesn't necessarily live in reality when he does when he creates sure. his sequences in his film he likes to elevate material we know he's not here to make documentaries but does he go too far with the jazz club sequence or is it just perfectly sam raimi too far
1: too far colin yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to agree it was too far. I think if the f- if it was a different film and it was in there, maybe it would have like a bit more of a element of surprise or something, but it was just in amongst a just a fucking bag of all this other shit going on. It just felt like we were getting more and more into just this strange universe that we'd never seen before. And like you said, it was there was a bit too much of that. Like there was a lot of mm. dance sequence and there was a lot of him sort of I don't know. It's just, it was more Tobey Maguire in these parts where I was sort of like, man, what are they doing yeah. <laughs> in here? Like, and they're making him look silly. Like even the outfits he's wearing, his, his stupid mm. hair and his eyelashes and stuff. And it's like, it's on. been a while since I've seen that sequence. And when he's walking down the street
0: and I thought, right, here we go. And I think the mm. first two women give him this look of like, who the hell is this idiot? And I was like, Oh no, that works yeah. because mm. he's like, Oh, the big guy. And everyone's like, who's this freak? And then it cuts to another shot, and the women are falling over themselves. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they really made their mind up. Yeah. And then to show I was like, because it
0: was almost then, 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 like, yeah straight away. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't work. No, hmm. I kind of
2: think they could have got away with it in the jazz club if he hadn't have played music or oh, made such a oh, oh, score of the himself. Piano. I think it should have been he dances with Gwen Stacy. Maybe uses some of his spider yeah, yeah. abilities to be a bit more nimble and sort of do some fancy yeah, moves,
1: throw around. Um, a bit.
2: But it it didn't need all that extra stuff. Didn't need to go la la land. No, did not need to go la la
1: land. (laughs) But I mean, it it was, you know, the whole him hitting her at the end and him realizing, you know, that this this black suit's clearly having a bit of an impact on his 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 um, you know, Mm -hmm. him was obviously an element that needed to happen. Mm. So I mean, but I'm I'm sure, give Rob five minutes and he can come up with ten better ways of doing that than uh, what we got to watch. Was it uh, La
2: La Land or Ba La Land? Ba, ba, ba Land. Bland.
0: Oh, right, there it is. Okay, yeah, we kind yep. of got there. It the took end. us a minute.
2: <laughs> We've gone past something, but we're this is chaos. So I'm going to throw in um, what I would uh, say is the... Underrated line in a shit film. Underrated line in a shit film. Um, so...
1: When it's like that a good segment. Thank you. Yeah. So
2: Jay Joda Jameson is the um, the man who owns this line. Um Peter and it's doing the montage as well, this the whole jazz montage. Peter Parker and Betty Brant are right up against each other and sort of flirting with each other and mm. and Jay Joda comes out and says, Parker, Brandt, that, that isn't the position I hired <laughs> you for.
0: Yes, it's a good word.
2: Underrated line in the shit film, underrated line in the shit film. I like that.
0: Oh, it's quite good. Well done. Yeah, uh, what can I say about this whole sequence? It doesn't work for me. And you know what? I really wanted it to work for me this time. But... I can't get the perfection of Spider-Man 2 out of my head. You know, there's there's scenes in Spider-Man 2 where we've got characters sitting there talking about love and poetry mm. to each other and what it means to them in their lives. And then we have this monstrosity. <laughs> I know they're trying to have fun, but I just, I can't let that one go, unfortunately. Let's continue. So as Venom, Brock locates a still-living Marco and convinces him to join forces to kill Spider-Man. Brock abducts Mary Jane and holds her captive from a web at a construction site, intending to kill her in revenge for Peter ruining him, while Marco keeps the police at bay. After Harry declines to help Peter, Harry's butler reveals that Norman's death was not Spider-Man's fault. While Brock and Marco pin Peter down, Harry arrives to help Peter and save Mary Jane. Brock attempts to impale Peter with Harry's glider, but Harry jumps in and is impaled instead. Peter, remembering the symbiote's weakness, assembles a perimeter of metal pipes to create a sonic attack, weakening it and allowing Peter to separate Brock from the symbiote. Final fight time, Colin. Mm. Does Raimi cap off the trilogy with one of his best action set pieces yet? I mean, all the ingredients are there. Peter's back to being a Spider-Man everyone knows and loves. He's got Harry back on his side. We've got Sandman and Venom at full power.
1: This should be an all-timer, is it? Not not for me. Um, I would say <laughs> so at this point in the... <laughs> not for me. <laughs> I would... <laughs> It's not, not really for me. Not my cup of tea, this one. Um, I would say, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm probably not going to have that much to say for the remainder of this film because I was on my phone for <laughs> most of it. And this was on the second time of me trying to watch wow. this film because I, I turned it off about 40 minutes <laughs> into it the first time around and went, I'm not I'm not ready for this today. <laughs> um, I would say there was... if I'm, I'm just going to try and pick some positives oh. out. I'm going to try and be positive for the next 30 seconds, <laughs> see how I can manage. <clears throat> there was a moment towards the back end of this fight scene that I found rather nice on the eyes and it was the moment where Venom is sort of pulled out from his... You know, from what's his name? What is his name? Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock. I thought visually the the remnants of what was left over of, of Venom mm. was quite was yeah. quite nice. Um, and I think that might be all well, I have to see, say that I like to hear. I, I
0: love the positivity there, Colin.
1: I feel like sometimes I might come across like I'm just a bag of miserable <laughs> shit. So I feel like every now and again, I'm going to say something positive. Excellent.
0: Um, Rob, same to you. I've got, is it an all-timer? I've got some more positivity for you. Oh, yeah. Um, so I like the
2: the the moments where Spider-Man is on the, the snowboard with uh, Harry and they're sort of teaming up and sort of doing these sort of combo moves. Uh, I think that's kind of fun. And in a film where they had had Harry be interesting throughout, that could have been a real punch-the-air moment, seeing them to... You know, finally team up yeah. mm. and, and get over their shit. So, in a another positive, I've got is in a little sequence that I like to call "extra, extra." He's a ruddy good extra. So, the amazing um, <laughs> another unintentional positive: the shit British news reporter
1: who Oof, she yeah. was rough. Yeah,
2: the brutality of it um, was oh, one of my favourite lines. But there's that. a moment where you know. Um, Spider-Man comes back, right? And it's this big triumphant moment. Spider-Man's here. And um, she says, um, he seems to have come out of nowhere. And if you look, moments just after that, it sort of shows this fireman who sort of steps out of the crowd and just goes, yup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no.
1: laughs> That was rough, actually. Yeah, the whole, like, crowd of people mm-hmm. just standing around. I mean, let's be real. If a fucking giant sand monster popped up out of nowhere, you're not sitting you're long around gone. watching See that you shit. Mate. You are I'm legging off. it. You are absolutely <laughs> legging it. Yeah.
0: So two kids as well. Awesome! Just... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh,
2: Audio commentary facts. So the kids that say, wicked cool and awesome... Oh. Are, um, I mean, it's nepotism gone mad, because they are Lorne and Henry Ramey, Sam Ramey's,
0: um sons. Sorry, Sam, but they were shit. Also,
2: <laughs> double <laughs> audio commentary facts. It's double nepotism time, because Ramey's daughter, um, she plays the girl
1: who sells J. Jonah Jameson the camera.
0: Film's oh. extra.
1: Yeah, when she was taking pictures with it beforehand, before he even asked for it, but it didn't have a role of film in it. (laughs) No one said she was (laughs) smacking Oh,
0: dear. Um, I found myself looking at my watch a few times during this sequence. I'm not going to lie, I might be recalling here. If I'm not emotionally into the characters, if I'm not invested in the plot, I do tend to gloss over sometimes during these big sequences. I was even at one point tempted to skip ahead to get to the end, uh,
1: which, but which of course I didn't do. Whoa, for no. George, George, you know, if this was MCU though, it'd be like, oh, oh so five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I loved it every minute. I it's so warm, my heart warming. Uh, right. Shut up! I cried. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. no, uh,
0: I, I respect the film too much, and I respect the filmmakers to uh, skip it, and I respect. You boys and his podcast too much. So, even though I was tempted, I didn't do it. Um, And yes, the British news reporter who's on site, absolutely awful. Don't know what was going on there at all. Unfortunately, I did not think much to this final sequence. Peter activates a pumpkin bomb and throws it at the hostless symbiote. Brock, having become addicted to its influence, attempts to save the symbiote and both are vaporized. He got addicted about half hour, didn't he? Good riddance <laughs> uh, Marco explains that Ben's death was an accident that has haunted him, oh. and that everything he was done, everything he has done, sorry, was to help his daughter and Peter forgives Marco, allowing him to escape. Peter and Harry reconcile before the latter dies from his injuries some time later. Peter visits Mary Jane at the jazz Club they embrace and share a dance. Now, I will give this film credit for not ending the usual Spider-Man way Mm. of him swinging through the city. Um, Mm -hmm. I I like that. If I remember correctly, we never really get a confirmation that Peter and Mary Jane have worked things out. It's just a simple ending of them sharing a dance. I like that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. um, sort of left thinking
2: they're they're at least going to try.
0: The Peter forgiving Marco thing doesn't land for me because by this point I don't care. They haven't built that up enough, and to me it's a it's a it's a it's a bad payoff to a piss poor setup. Um, <laughs> so any last thoughts, of Colin or Rob, on the ending of the film or anything I've missed? Um, we haven't done two cameos in the film. We've missed those.
2: I was going to mention actually because um, at the end of the uh, film. Um, there's a funeral scene, isn't there? Much like the end of the, the first film. Oh, and
0: yes. And I thought to myself,
2: while I was watching it, I thought, who's that? Who's that? I've seen her before. Who's that? Who's that? that?
1: I've seen her before.
2: Did you <laughs> notice Joe Mangiello? Uh, Mang- oh, yeah. Mangiello? Yeah. I
1: can't say his name. <laughs> the high school kid that looked f, f- Yeah, Flash Thompson was at the, the funeral. Flash yeah, Thompson. Yeah, yeah, yeah another cameo, that,
2: which I think is quite important um which I'm not sure if you guys noticed, was for <laughs>
0: Excelsior.
2: <laughs> Stan Lee, of course, has a cameo very early on in the um film where he says, I guess one person can make a difference. Nuff said. And Nuff said was of course his uh, <laughs> one of his many little catchphrases that he used to write in um when he sort of did his sort of editors notes and sort of uh yep. Intros or outros to the comic books back in nice. the day.
0: And Stan Lee was once asked, "What is your favourite cameo?" Because he's done like he—I think he's in the X-Men films, he's in the Spider-Man films, and obviously all the MCU ones. And he said it was Spider-Man Three that was his favourite.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, he got a bit more dialogue than normal, I guess. Right? It was a tiny. I bit think Spider-Man's it was a nice one,
2: close to him, especially. Um, yeah, and just the the whole idea— mm. of one any person can can make a difference and is kind of the whole thing about it, that Spider-Man's just this av- you know, ordinary person that takes responsibility mm-hmm. and does the right thing. I think that's probably why he, he, he liked it so much, because it sort of says everything about the uh, about yeah. the character that he
0: Shall we liked. talk Mr. Bruce Campbell?
1: <sighs> oh, because yes. for me, mm.
0: this was the most I laughed during the film, and I laughed quite mm. hard. I'll give them that. This really, really got me he in the sequence.
2: He was good. Yeah, there's a... There's a moment yeah. where Peter shows in the ring and he goes, "Oh, hello!"
1: <laughs> really <laughs> made me laugh. Yeah. yeah. No, nah, that when we get down to the scoring, you'll understand just how much I enjoyed Bruce Campbell. Wow. This <laughs>
0: I'm
2: intrigued.
1: <laughs> so, was there
0: anything else, or shall we go straight into said scoring? Let's go into scoring. Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we've probably. Said I think for so it. too.
0: Um, let's start with you, then,
1: Colin Brain. Out of five, what do you give Spider-Man 3? Well, I mean, the fact that if it wasn't for this podcast, I wouldn't have finished the Mm -hmm. film kind of makes me realise that I do have to definitely bear that in mind when it comes down to scoring. So I was going to just give it a zero, to be honest, but I feel like that would be a little too harsh. Um, So I'm going to give it... One and a half stars, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do that. I'm going to give half a star to Kirsten Dunst. I'm going to give half a star to Sam Raimi, and I'm going to give half a star to Bruce Campbell. I like it. I like that. And that's how that's that's my scoring for this one. Uh, Robert Trott, Spider-Man 3
0: out of five.
2: I fought long and hard about this one, actually, because I was looking back over our previous scores, and the lowest scores I've given were to two films, which were Thor The Dark World, gave two, and The Incredible Hulk. I gave two also and I had to really think about something. Do I dislike this more than that? Mm. And I, I don't know. I can't, it's, it's been really (laughs) tricky because I was going to just give it, I was going to give it two as well, but then I kind of think, I think it, it at least has some Raimi to it. Just Uh sort of wanting to, scream out from behind the hmm. you know the corporate nonsense yeah there's at least the bones and the foundation of something that could have been very very good and every now and then that peeks its head above the precipice whether that be kirsten dunce or the sandman sort of set pieces and yeah you know, some of the themes that you can kind of see they wanted to explore more if they didn't have
0: to cram all this extra shit in so i think yeah i'm gonna go two Cool. I think I'm going too as well. Uh, I almost went lower, but there's some half-decent action beats. Like, even though, like, obviously, we, we said the character isn't needed, and it's a tiny sequence, and I think it's a sequence that bothered Colin. But Spider-Man saving Gwen Stacy as she falls out of the skyscraper, that actual sequence to me looks fantastic, and I found that actually quite gripping. Yes, maybe coincidental. Uh, I think... Some of the Sandman stuff really works. I'm now wondering if two is maybe too high because mm. I hate being negative. No, it's not below a two because oh, anything anything below a two is a film I actively hate, and I don't hate. I, yeah, I, I don't hate this film. I'm just I'm disappointed in it. It's 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 watchable. Just it's yeah, two out of five. Mm. So um, yeah. Um, It's a shame that they capped off the trilogy like that, isn't it? Um, Big shame. But let's perk things up a little bit more with some tasty trivia. You know too much for your own good. Now that's what I call using the old head. So, who is going first?
2: Um, You went first last time because I felt bad that uh, in the first bonus episode I had made you have to redo your... Scramble for one, yeah. uh,
0: And I do only have one trivia this week as well, so I'm
2: praying. I'm telling you it's not going to be this one. Okay. Because, holy shit, boys, this one's mad. This one will blow (laughs) your bloody mind, and it's going to change the way you look at the Spider-Man trilogy, possibly forever. You need to
0: calm down. Okay.
2: (laughs) Because... I found out through my listen to the audio commentary facts and also trivia, <laughs> Spider-Man 3 is the only film in the trilogy where Kirsten Dunst has her own hair. That's right, the first two films. <laughs> it's a wig, baby. Full, full on wig. Both films. This film, dyed hair. Go back and watch those films. You tell me you've ever fought for one second that those were wigs. You did not. That's the work of amazing costumers and makeup artists. Incredible. So now, when you watch through Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, you can be (laughs) looking at it going, I don't believe it's a wig, but it is. (laughs) It bloody well is.
0: Okay. (laughs)
2: Fantastic.
0: Okay, maybe built up a bit too much? Who knows? Oh, I I, I mean, I could have gone on
2: for... You know, oh, here he goes. done a whole novelization. Told you about how they did a novelization of <laughs> Spider Man 3 in which Eddie Brock goes to the toilet and thinks about how much he hates. Oh, it's from his perspective this time. <laughs> Could have done that, but no. Genuinely interesting fact that you probably won't find anywhere else and will wow. change your perspective oh, of how you look at those right, first two films. Mighty. Mister.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Okay.
1: Shall I go? You feeling confident, George? I am. Okay.
0: So, we've mentioned him a few times in this episode, Harry Osborne's butler. Mm. So, in this film, there was going to be a bit of a twist. That he was actually... He doesn't actually exist. Did you ever see him interact with anyone in this film other than Harry? You don't. And (laughs) so what... He was, he was going to be almost like the... Um, so every time he sees his father, that was like the devil on his shoulder. But anytime time he saw oh. the butler, that was going to be like the, the angel on his shoulder, always telling him the right thing to do and things like that. Mm. And that actually was going to be in the film. But then it uh, didn't make a lot of sense. It confused a lot of people because obviously, as we, what we've mentioned the when he finally decides to explain to harry about oh i found your father and i cleaned his wounds mm. um it then confused things even more and en- ended up almost creating a massive plot hole he's also so in the first in the, two films as well and talks to norman osborn well no it was going to be that uh, he from the third film he was a he wasn't there um he yeah it was just harry living in this mansion alone going mad um, and they decided to very quickly scrap that and make and drop that. So uh, that's not even really hinted at in Spider-Man Three.
1: Wow, I mean, just another shite cliche thrown into a yes. bag of shite cliches. I mean, whew, that's rough.
0: Very rough. Very rough. I'm glad they dropped it.
1: But is it good trivia? Mm. Hmm. It's
0: better than a wig. <laughs> I don't know if it is.
1: They were gonna do
2: yeah, something, but... then they didn't. Because it was rubbish. <laughs> Just like you should have done something like research a better trivia.
0: No oh. no. I stand by it. I think it's a reflection of how shite this film was. <laughs> um I'm not I'm not gonna sell it. I don't feel the need to. I stand oh. by my trivia this week.
1: Okay. The wig the wig one's good, um, but I do feel like Rob maybe bigged it up a little bit. It was slightly underwhelming on the reveal. Um, and George's was good, but it was more of like a... He was mm. confident in that. Just saying. He was. You yeah, said was. yours
0: was going to change our lives. So it was yeah, going to change that, the way that you look at the yeah. first
2: two films, which it would, because you'll now go, that's a wig.
0: Doesn't look Don't like it one, not, though, does it? Colin doesn't need to bring into yours and mine's confidence
1: in order to how to score it. Firstly, I'm not going to watch these films again anyway so that doesn't really matter. You're going to watch the the editor's cut apparently. I'll get... Of this one, yeah, but she doesn't have the wig in this one. No, she she? doesn't, but you go, look. You can tell. Yeah, look, real hair. (laughs) You can tell it's real in this one. I'm going to give it to Rob because I think... What? Hey, yeah, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. Because I think, to be perfectly honest with you, both trivias were a bit weak and... um, (laughs) I th- but I think the listeners would enjoy Rob's more because they probably will be going back and rewatching these films in, in you know, later in, in their lives. And I know they'll watch that and think, Fuck me, Rob gave me a little little bit of trivia from that episode that's gonna stick with me for the rest of my life and I think they're probably gonna listen to George's and go, That was a bit shit, weren't it? So Fuck Rob the gets listeners. the point. Hold free. I said nil, back to listeners. Free <laughs> nil.
2: Free nil. Have you nil, done him free nil three on the nil bonuses? On the bonuses, yeah. Oh, hat trick! He, he can get a single trivia win in the whole of the Raby trilogy.
1: <laughs> Oof. Oof, that's got a sting, mate. Oh. That's got to really hurt. Hey, oh. this
0: is this is this is League One. I'm winning in the Premiership. Oh. But like, I think we're drawing. Actually. <laughs>
2: Probably no,
0: <laughs> hang on, I
2: hang on, <laughs> Mr. Cock, Cocky Pants. You <laughs> drawing, Ro- it's eight all, yeah. Rob brought it back. Oh, he opened he? up his Ooh. spreadsheet, yeah. All
0: eight all at the time of us recording this, yeah, right. Perfect. So, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. If you haven't already, please review or rate the podcast wherever you're listening to it. Uh, if you review us after listening to this episode, then at the end of your review. Tell us, who's your favourite Spider-Man villain?
2: And tell us if you re-watched Spider-Man 1 or 2 and couldn't believe that that was a syrup.
0: <sighs> so it's back to our usual programming next episode as we jump straight back into the MCU. But our next bonus episode is probably not too far away for you and our next bonus episode we will be watching from 2012. And starring Andrew Garfield, the amazing. Oh, we're sticking with yes. We're sticking with the The amazing Spider Man. Hmm. Uh, Colin, say bye.
1: Hold on a second. Okay. I. Why are we staying with Spider Man? I thought we had done this trilogy because of the Homecoming one. Are we not is there, Are we not doing other like X Men and shit we like that? Ser- well? We certainly just,
0: are. I think we just decided okay. it would make more sense to We're just going to get, get the Spider Man shit the, out of the way. Andrew okay. Garfield's, he's only yeah. got two. Get him out of the way.
1: And Sounds no, no. good. Let's do it, even though I remember watching the first one of that and thinking it was pretty <laughs> bad. And I heard the second one was even worse. We shall so see. Bring it on, baby. Next time, baby. <laughs> Next time. Let's go. Baby. Colin, say bye. Goodbye.
0: Rob, say bye. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Stay safe, stay well, stay nerdy.
2: Next time we meet, let it be in
1: peace and friendship. This is as far as you're going to get tonight. Such valuable stuff. All in a nice work. Sweet dreams, little friends. Look out! Oh, oh, he's escaping! (laughs) I fear we have not seen the last of him.